Holy Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name, O Lord. Glory be unto you for giving us the privilege of life. We are unworthy subjects, and we know that we need to be treated according to our iniquities. We do not deserve anything good from you. Therefore, we understand that it's in your love, your faithfulness, your mercy and goodness that we enjoy the things we enjoy and that we have life and health and peace. Glory be unto your name. Now, dear Lord, in light of this, we realize that we need to reciprocate the love that you show to us. And you have told us that if we love you, we should keep your commandments. But of our own selves, we cannot do it. Therefore, Lord, we pray, grant to us power, power to become the sons of God, power to glorify your name on this earth, power to live for you. We pray, Lord, that as we go through the words of our devotion, that it shall be to us spirit and life. Put your words and touch my lips with the living coals of fire from heaven, that I may speak edification and strength to your children. Help us, Lord, that the study will help us to become more like Christ. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, June 24 Superficial Beauty But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. Psalms chapter 3 verse 3 With the memory ever before him of his own transgression of the law of God, David seemed morally paralyzed. He was weak and irresolute. When before his sin, he had been courageous and decided. His influence with the people had been weakened, and all this favored the designs of his unnatural son. While the king was more and more inclined to desire retirement and solitude, Absalom sedulously courted the popular favor. Day by day, this man of noble mien might be seen at the gate of the city, where a crowd of suppliants waited to present their wrongs for redress. Absalom mingled with them and listened to their grievances, expressing sympathy and with expressing sympathy with their sufferings, and regret at the inefficiency of the government. By his remarkable beauty, winning manners, and pretended kindness, he cunningly stole the hearts of the people. He did not possess benevolence at heart, but was ambitious and, as his course shows, would resort to intrigue and crime to obtain the kingdom. He would have returned his father's love and kindness by taking his life. He was proclaimed king by his followers in Hebron and led them out to pursue his father. In humility and sorrow, David, out of the gate of Jerusalem, driven from his palace, from the ark of God, by the insurrection of his cherished son. The people followed in long, sad procession, like a funeral train. Many who see not as God seeth, but view matters from man's standpoint, might reason that with David there might have been excuse for repining, and that the sincerity of his repentance years before might have accepted him from present judgment. David utters no complaint. 
the most eloquent psalm he ever sang was when he was climbing Mount Olivet, weeping and barefooted, yet humbled in spirit, unselfish and generous, submissive and resigned. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Superficial Beauty. Continuing to look at the lessons learned from the life of King David, we now turn to his connection with one of his sons called Absalom. We saw in our previous devotion how that the prophecy that the Nathan, uh, that Nathan the prophet gave to David as the consequence of his sins was already begin, beginning to be fulfilled in his life. Years had gone by and a lot of evil was already in the home of David. Nathan told him in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son these words had been ringing in david's mind for quite some time now he began to see this being fulfilled he had seen his baby die his first son amnon has disgraced the family and shamed him before all israel by raping his own sister tamar his beloved son Absalom had slain that firstborn son Amnon. All of these sins David himself was guilty of, just as he, his children were also committing the same sins that he had committed. He saw his family crumbling before his eyes and every evil act of his children painfully reminded him of his own sin. As Amnon raped Tamar, he also had well nigh done the same thing to Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. As Amnon deceived him to have Tamar come to his room, he also had tried to deceive Uriah to sleep with his wife. Just as he made Uriah carry his death warrant to Joab, he also was made by his son Amnon to carry the defilation and rape warrant of Tamar, his daughter. If only David had known that day that when he had, when, when Amnon had told him, please send Tamar to my room to come and take care of me, if only David had known that that was a scheme that when he pronounced it and said Tamar you can go and take care of Amnon if only he had known that he was giving the rape and defilement warrant to Tamar he wouldn't have done it but that was the same thing he did to Uriah just as he made Uriah carry his death warrant to Joab he also did the same for Tamar just as he was responsible for Uriah's death his son Absalom was also responsible for Amnon's death in all this David was weak. He had lost all moral authority to stay and stop the evil in his home. His son was slain before his other son. What a pain this must have been. God's judgment was upon him and his family. His influence was having its unwanted effect. Sin's way is hard indeed. If only one can sin with impunity, then the evil may have some excuse to indulge in it. But sin is not without consequence. There was mourning in David's home. One sin was still leading to another. Had David never fornicated with Bathsheba, 
all this would not have happened. All of it was provoked by himself. Why will Amnon not fear to rape his sister? Because he knew that his father was weak. Why will Absalom feel at liberty to kill Amnon? Because he knew that his father wouldn't do him anything. The father was weak in moral power. Everything was happening because of one day that David decided not to go to war. Because it was not because the fornication that was issued. The fornication had its cause. And that's why I want to remind us of faithfulness in little things. All of this happening to David is not the fornication that was the issue. The root of the problem was like we read before. Familiarity with sin. Looking at the nations around him and how the kings behaved, David started to drop standards. Those little injunctions and safeguard of principles that the Lord placed around David, that was the root of David's problem. He had let down his guard. The fence was down and now in his family there was chaos. Second Samuel 13 verse 36 to 38 says, And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that's Jonadab who explained to David that um, it was just Amnon that was killed, is that behold the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very sore. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. Hmm. This reminds me of something. I remember when we read concerning who Absalom's mother is. The mother of Absalom, if I recall, is a woman called Maka, the king of Geshur's daughter. And yes, it is so. In the book of 2 Samuel 3, reading from verse 2, it says, And unto David were sons born in Hebron, and his first son Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, that one was dead now, and his son Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third Absalom, the son of Maka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. So, where did Absalom run to? He went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, king of Geshur. So that is his grandfather's place. That's where he went to. You see the connection there. Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. So he went to his he went to his maternal home. You can tell now, because what we are studying is about this young boy called Absalom. Absalom, like we can see now, is the son, the third son of King David. He had killed his elder brother, the first son, because of what he did in defiling his sister, um, Tamar. And now the eldest son now is Kiliab, the son of Abigail. And all these sons, apart from Kiliab, the rest of the sons that David had, because he even had some sons when he came to Jerusalem also, these sons, they came and they were weeping because of what Absalom had done. It was an evil indeed. But this was only the beginning of sorrows for David. Worse evils were determined upon him, and it was coming soon. As we can see, unlike other children of David, Absalom was actually from a royal family. His grandfather is a king, and his mother is a queen. Unlike Ahinoam and the other wife of David, which is Abigail, they were not from the royal family. 
So you can see that perhaps, just maybe, Absalom is someone who felt quite entitled. He's someone who felt maybe he's above the rest of his brothers, seeing that he has a king as his father and also a king as his grandfather and his mother is from a royal family. So this may have caused this young man to walk in pride. And the Bible records about him in 2 Samuel 14 verse 25 and 26, but in all Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he pulled his head, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it, because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it. He weighed the hair of his head at two hundred shekels after the king's weight. That is who Absalom was. Beauty to behold. He even had that hair that the Bible described that he pulled it. Pulling means to trim the hair. So he had such a wonderful look. Like I mean, talk about the Bible doesn't say he was good to look upon. The Bible didn't use the word handsome, it was beautiful. That's the word used for him. And this beauty, just like it does for many, it's something that got to Absalom's head. And not just the beauty, but also the the, the connection he had as his father being king and his mother being a queen and his grandfather being a king, you can tell that Absalom will most likely feel highly entitled from both sides of his family he has influence. This unnatural son of David as we read did not see David as a father because if he did, he wouldn't do the things that he did to David. In fact, the rest of his family, his brothers, he, 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 he despised them. For him to have done what he did in the presence of those brothers that is the presence of Kiliab and his younger brothers, he killed his elder brother. For him to have done that without regard for them shows that he was a radical indeed, a rebellious son. He was beautiful outwardly, but inwardly he was very ugly. Because the kind of things Absalom did and was going to do shows the ugliness and dearth of Absalom's character. Rarely do we find any child as wicked as this to his own father, and we'll see that soon. So Absalom ran away for three years, and Joab then schemed Absalom's return. In mercy to Absalom, he actually tried to league himself to Absalom because in those three years, David did nothing. He didn't send for Absalom because Absalom exiled himself. And one day, Joab sent a woman to David to ask concerning something that the same way Nathan did with David. She brought a story to David and told David, oh, I have two sons and they were in a fight and one kills the other. Now the people are saying that they want to kill the one that killed the other son. And if they kill that one, I will not have a son again. Please come and intervene. And David told the woman, don't worry, nobody will touch your son. Then she said to him, because that was what Joab told her to tell David. She said to him, but you have a son who killed his brother. And you have exiled him and you have not forgiven him. And then jo David asked her, who sent you on this errand? Is it Joab? David already knew that the only person that would do this kind of thing is Joab. And then she said, yes, it is Joab that sent me. Then in the book of 2 Samuel 14 verse 21, it says, And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have done this thing. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. And Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth 
that I have found grace in thy sight, my lord, O king, in that the king had fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. But in all Israel there was none to be much praised as Absalom for his beauty. So here it is that Joab had schemed Absalom's return. But then, after this, Absalom went political. Before, uh, after he stayed in his own house for about two years, he didn't see David. Then Absalom did something nasty because that's just to show you the dirty character of Absalom. He sent for Joab. Joab was the one that schemed his return to Israel. And Joab didn't answer him for a long time. And what did Absalom do? Joab's field, that is his farm, was close to Absalom's own. And Absalom sent his boys, go and burn Joab's field. And then they burnt it down. Then Joab came out and asked Absalom, what is this that you have done? Why did you burn my field? And Absalom said, I've been calling you and you didn't answer me. So that's why I burnt your field so that you come and answer me. What kind of child will do this? An arrogant, disrespectful, irreverent child. Who is Joab, by the way? Joab is the cousin of David. The age between Joab and David is not so much. This is a man who is like his father. And what did Absalom do to Joab just to get his attention? He sent his boys. Those same boys that he sent to slay Amnon, he also sent them. I'm not saying the exact same, but, but he had boys. But he sent his boys to do a work for him, dirty work, burnt the field of Joab. And then he told Joab, this is why I wanted to see you. Why did you bring me back to Israel? I was enjoying myself in Geshur. You can tell that Absalom is not repentant like David. You cannot put Absalom and David in the same category. David was repentant of his own sins. Three years Absalom had stayed in Geshur. In those three years, he was not repentant. As he came back to Israel, we were seeing the seeds of it that this man's character is ugly indeed. And he, he told Joab, I want to see my father. It's been two years I've been here and I've not seen him. And then Joab went to tell David and David allowed Absalom to come and see him. Now, after Absalom had been able to see David, he got bolder. Now, he started to come to the gate of the city, whereas before that time, Absalom had not done that. Absalom got bolder and he went political on his own father. And when we say political here, you know what politics is about. That's what we're going to be discussing now. Politics is the rivalry between two parties where they try to bring each other down so that one can be raised above the other. Politics is a dirty game like they say, originating with none other than Satan the devil. In heaven, politics started. He was the one who started to talk about the government of God and how God's government was evil and trying to find fault in one place or the other instead of doing his own work that was appointed to him to help God's government to stand. He stopped doing his work and decided to bring loopholes in God's government to make it look as if there was one because there was none. He's the one who was putting it there and then he divided heaven. This is the work that Absalom began to do. Second Samuel chapter 15 reading from verse 1 says, And it came to pass after this, that after David had permitted Absalom to see him face to face, then Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. You can see the man. You know when a man wants to get political, they have to get people to follow them. He has his escort now. And Absalom rose up early 
and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so, that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, so people want to come to David for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of that of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh that I were made a judge in the land that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so, that when any man came nigh to him to do obeisance, he put forth his hand, and took him, and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. This is what politics is about. And we see this kind of thing happening both in the church and in the world. Just because of the scene of David. But I tell you, you see this character of Absalom was just waiting to be unlocked. I would say that his rebellious behavior, which is a very stark contrast to his beauty in his face, is just something that you can trace to his own pride of appearance the same thing that happened to the devil pride of appearance the bible records that the devil sinned because of his beauty and the devil's beauty was a superficial one indeed because he lacked the beauty of character and so with absalom he lacked the beauty of character and did the exact same thing that devil did in heaven the top beloved angel satan the closest to him is the one that betrayed the Lord in heaven and just so you know we don't hear of David loving Kiliab the son of Abigail or Amnon the son of of Ahinoam the Jezreelite the Bible records that David's heart longed for Absalom in those three years that he was in Geshur he was one son that David loved so much even when he had so sinned against his father that's how blindly David loved him that he told no one to touch him that he shouldn't be killed Absalom had done things that deserved death but David even did not want him to die that's how much David loved him but this same son that David loved is the one that betrayed him there was no loophole in David's government apart from the fact that he sinned doesn't mean that David cannot judge matters but the people were coming to the king for judgment but Absalom will stand at the gate because he is there just as, the, just as Lucifer also was standing in the presence of God, Absalom will do the same thing and then create loopholes in the government of David and say, oh, there's no deputation. And then will make people feel like he loved them more than David loved them. When they give him obeisance, oh, he said, oh, I'm loyal. That's all how David do. That's how Absalom would do. Second Samuel 15 from verse 5 says, And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do, ob- to do him obeisance, that's when they want to fall down and bow to him, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. He said, Oh, no, 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 your boy is loyal. Every tribe, he's trying to gain favor. What tribe are you from? Oh, you are from the tribe of Dan. He will see that, okay, I need some people for me in Dan. I want them to speak well of me. So since this one is from Dan, I would obedience to him oh where are you from oh benjamin no this one where are you from simeon oh reuben okay and then he just tries to you know how politicians do go everywhere to have people so that when they leave they will speak well of him but to the expense of his father there was no loophole in david's kingdom 
but Absalom was the one creating it. Then what next did he do? Reading from verse 6. From verse 7, he says, And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, By the way, the 40 years here is counted from the time that they, that um, Israel started to have a king. That's from the day King Saul was anointed king. That's the 40 years being referred to. After 40 years, that Absalom said unto, unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. And Hebron is where, the, where Absalom was born. That was where he grew up. So you can tell that he had a following in that place. Verse 8. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur. And it was a lie. In Syria. So you see that's where he's from, Syria. Saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, that I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Now, what was it that was happening here? Why did David tell him, go in peace? The reason is because David was deceived. Absalom gave him the impression that he's like Jacob. You know when Jacob got to Bethel and the Lord appeared to him in a dream or that ladder angels going up and down, David, Jacob said that, oh, if the Lord will prosper me, I will come back here and make a sacrifice to the Lord. Absalom now used that kind of trickery on David and told him, I, when I was in Geshur, this, this irreligious boy said, when I was in Geshur, I made a promise to the Lord that if he will bring me back to Jerusalem, I'll make a sacrifice to him. It was all a lie. This young man was not repentant. He deceived David. He was scheming something really wicked. It now says in verse 10, But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel. Do you see that? All the tribes. That's when he was staying at the gate. He was gaining that following and asking for their tribes. Which tribe are you from? And he will make that person his follower. Which tribe are you from? Like that. So he sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. Wow. And Absalom sent for Ahitophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, when he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong. For the people increased continually with Absalom. This indeed shows us the superficial beauty of not just Absalom, but anyone who is in reputation for intelligence. You know, they call people today, oh, this man, he's a well-studied this and that. He has this certificate and that. And others, they have that outward look and they come to run for political positions. But while running for these political positions, we really need to check, are these people worth it? Absalom was not worth it. Here he is in Hebron. You know, when David was made king, he was first made king in Hebron before he was now made the, whole, the king of the whole of Israel. Hebron is the tribe of Judah where David is from. Hebron is that great city that was conquered by Caleb. That is that city, Hebron, that Caleb conquered. That's where Absol uh, David was first made king for Judah before he was now made king in, in, uh, for the whole of Israel. Now, David, Absalom went to that Hebron and proclaimed himself king. He deceived people, deceived David because he made people follow him to Hebron to make it look as if he had followers. He, you see the scheming here? So that when these many people, in verse 11 it says, Absalom went to 200 men out of Jerusalem. Now when people from other tribes are seeing 200 men from Jerusalem, these 200 men did not have any idea what Absalom was doing. They did not know that he was going to proclaim himself king in Hebron. He just made them follow him for whatever reason. He deceived them to make them think 
that he was going to make a sacrifice. On getting there, the next thing they all heard was Absalom reigned in Hebron. And when people are seeing 200 people, they think, oh, maybe he has a very huge following. So the conspiracy was strong and there was someone who had helped Absalom to do all of this. Ahitophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor. It was a conspiracy. That is what politics is about. For this reason, we need to ask ourselves the question as Christians. Are we to be involved in politics? When you see the things that happen in politics, the lying, the deception, the evil-mindedness, did Absalom really care for the people with all these things he was doing? Absalom did not care one bit for the people. All he cared about was his own personal glory for his ambition and self-exaltation. He didn't care for them. If he did care for them, why didn't he just solve their problems when he was at the gate? Did he need to speak ill of David's government? Was he not in power to listen to them if he wanted to and assist in the stead of David? Could, could, he, could he not have assisted or at least permitted the people to go and meet the king? But he made it look as if the king wasn't there to listen to them and he stole their hearts. This is the dirty thing about politics. And when Christians are involved in it, they are denying their faith. When we start to support people who are speaking evil of others, people, other people in leadership, just because they want their position, do we do well? Every time we speak against another person who is in leadership, especially those who are aspiring for the same position, you are pointing the finger to yourself. When you see these people who want to be in leadership and they come out and they start to point out the faults in the other person's government, what do you think he's doing? Is he really pointing the faults of the other person's government? He's actually pointing you to himself for you to see that he he's trying to say me, if I was in position, I wouldn't do this thing that this person is doing. When we contrast our goodness, even in our small spheres, in your office, in your house, when you contrast your goodness, your skill and your wisdom against another person in a way to let people know who is responsible for a particular achievement or in a way to make very prominent another person's faults you are going political even in the home we see it happening this is david's home here people are living together whenever there's a fault and you want to make it clear it's not me that did it it's this person why are you really doing that is that teamwork or are you trying to bring your individual goodness out so that everybody will know that you are not the one at fault. It is this person that's at fault. Any fault that happens in the home, you want to make it prominent. It is not me. You shout it out loud. That's exactly what Absalom was doing to David. And sometimes he went as far as creating problems where there was none. And we also do the same sometimes. Because you want to win the heart of the mother or the father or your boss, you go and do the same thing. You can set somebody up. To make the person look bad whereas the person is not actually that bad and whenever there's a problem you want to make it mm, is this person that did it? it's not me absalom was like that when, when when we do the same thing we are not behaving wisely absalom by complaining of david's government was doing the same work that satan did in heaven and when we also in competition with our colleagues or with our brother or sister or with our co-worker because of our competition go around speaking evil of them just because you want to win the favor of the person who is the head or who is the leader when you do that you are no different from satan this is a strategy used by politicians all the time to raise themselves they do not really care about the people they only care about themselves they raise up sedition they create problems in the environment just to spoil another person's government they only care about themselves and they raise up 
stir up hatred. You see, many people are falling for it. When you hear the politicians talking about race and race and race, why do you think they're talking about it? They want trouble in the other person's government. That's why they keep on making prominent problem where there is none. They want to create problems where there is none. This is also done in the church. There's a lot of good for anyone to do if they will. No one was stopping Absalom from doing good to Israel if he wanted to. But because he wanted a kingship, he kept on complaining of the government of David and the way things were done. Beware of people who will not do anything themselves or do it or who even when they want to do anything, they will do it in such a way to contrast their own skill or intelligence and knowledge against the one who is in leadership or against another person's weaknesses. They won't tell you why they are doing what they are doing, that is to point to themselves and win people's confidence, but eventually you will see it. That's what they want you to see. It is left for us to notice it for ourselves and avoid such people. What do we do about politics even in the nation? What do we do about politics in the world? We are told in Councils for the Church, page 316, paragraph 1 and downward. Those who teach the Bible in our churches and our schools are not at liberty to unite in making apparent their prejudices prejudices for or against political men or measures, because by so doing they stir up the minds of others, leading each to advocate his favorite theory. They are among those professing to believe present truth. Some who will thus be stirred up to express their sentiments and political preferences so that division will be brought into the church. The Lord will have his people bury political questions. On these themes, silence is eloquence. Christ calls upon his followers to come into unity on the pure gospel principles which are plainly revealed in the word of God. We cannot with safety vote for political parties for we do not know whom we are voting for we cannot with safety take part in any political scheme those who are christians indeed will be branches of the true vine and will bear the same fruit as the vine they will act in harmony in christian fellowship they will not wear political badges but the badge of christ what are we to do then let political questions alone. Let me stop so that we understand political badges. Those caps make America great again. Those caps, those those shirts you wear, Democrats, Republican, umbrella, PDP, APC, change, all of that. What are we hearing now? Those who are Christians, they will not wear political badges, but the badge of Christ. Why is that so? Who are you voting for? Who are you vying for? Do you know them? Most of, most of these men you see are all Absaloms. That's what they are. They will not lift a finger to help the other person's government when they can. Instead, they will want to speak ill of whoever is in power just because they want to be in that position. And what are we as Christians doing? Supporting such envy, such jealousy. It's no different from the angels in heaven supporting Satan. This issue of politics is no small matter. Do not think that's a small issue. Some people think it's of no consequence. Now, we see church members, so-called Christians, those who are supposed to be carrying the present truth, those who claim to be those that are to be keeping the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, they are involved in politics. Even on the Sabbath day of the Lord, they are excusing it now. They will go and vote. They will follow Absalom to Hebron. They will go around as a spies to all the tribes. Oh, they are, they are vying for this particular person in position. Are we supposed to do that? Maybe you didn't know before, but here is the Lord speaking to you. 
let political questions alone reading says page 316 of councils for the church what are we to do then let political questions alone there is a large vineyard to be cultivated but while christians are to work among unbelievers they are not to appear like worldlings they are not to spend their time talking politics or acting politics for by so doing they give the enemy opportunity to come in and cause variance and discord god's children are to separate themselves from politics from any alliance with unbelievers do not take part in political strife separate from the world and refrain from bringing into the church or school ideas that will lead to contention and disorder dissension is the moral poison taken into the system by human beings who are selfish end of quote selfishness is in the root of political strife and all of politics do you want to work for the people claiming oh i want to work for the people just why why can't you work for them must you be the president before you do that i'm not saying that being appointed to position is wrong that is not politics when somebody is appointed somebody in position a leader can just appoint another person and say i want you to handle this work that's a different case politics is talking about that strife that striving for position that leads you to talk about this person and say oh this one is better than this vote for this vote for that to the point that you go around like those spies like of absalom to all the tribes to speak about this particular man and tell the people vote for him vote for him and he's better than the other man and then you wear those shirts and those caps democrat republican make america great again green new deal and all of that what are we doing can we carry can we wear those badges and still wear the badge of christ no we can't and the people we are standing for many of them are just absaloms they smile and they wave their hands and they say with all the slogans that they have win the people with those slogans and yet they are being the people are being deceived just like absalom deceived israel christians are to have nothing to do with it especially those who have the present truth let us learn the lesson today that it is no small matter this issue of politics do not look at it as a light thing at all for when we involve ourselves in speaking for one person or the other whatever that person does when they are in position those who voted for them are the ones responsible for it they will share the blame and you don't want that on your chest because that's how the lord sees it you will share the blame Reading again from Review and Herald, June 21, 1888, we are told, The Lord did not want you to employ your God-given time and set your talents to work in wrong channels. You, your work was not set you in that line at all. Neither you nor any of your brethren had any work to do in arguing or writing or talking any part whatever in politics. God was dishonored by all who acted any part. In politics reading again from manuscript releases volume li- volume 9 manuscript number 710 it says they have weakened their hold on god by uniting politics with unbelievers by pre- parading their political belief before the world just as worldlings do they have created division strife and jealousy among themselves the influence of this course of action is a great offense to god and he cannot and will not 
prosper those who follow it. We are to work distinctly in God's lines, refusing to follow worldly practices. The exhibitions made in Battle Creek regarding political questions have not raised any soul who has acted a part in them in God's estimation. Thus, God's people have given evidence to the world that they have had not the love of God in their hearts whatever might be their profession. Those who have distinguished themselves in politics, who have paraded their political differences were looked upon not only by human spectators but by the Lord Jesus who gave his life to save a perishing world. The heavenly universe watched their course with disapproval and Satan and his synagogue watched also. They were a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men." End of quote. Dear brothers and sisters, I think the testimony is very pointed. As we look at the superficial beauty of Absalom, we see also the superficial beauty of our own selves. When we enter into strife and envy in politics, we see the superficial beauty of the men who we call leaders of the world as they do the same thing, speaking evil of just about anyone just because they want their position. That is a superficial beauty indeed. Let us not strife and contend and compete and create division in the church of God by speaking politics and people supporting this party and that party. Let us be careful not to go around wearing political badges supporting this party or this person. In doing this, we cannot represent Christ. And I pray that God will help us to properly understand these things and put it into practice. Like I said, this doesn't condemn the appointment of people into government offices. No, politics is politics is completely different from that. Politics is about that strife. It's about that that uh, thing that Absalom did here, people going around, speaking of this person, voting, and um, the, all the effort put forth to bring down another person so that you can lift up yourself. That is politics, and that is what the Lord condemns. We have a work to do. We have to wear the badge of Christ. We have someone we are already talking about. We shouldn't take our time, our talents, our skill and resources doing evangelism for a man. Because that's what politics is. It's evangelism. But for who are you doing your evangelism? Is it for Christ? Where is your nation? Is it on this earth? Or is it the nation in heaven that you think, Oh, I want to succeed. I belong to this nation. And then you bring strife into the church of God. This one believes that I want to succeed. And the other one believes, No, we should remain with the particular nation. Is it the one that is going on in Ukraine and Russia? What should you as a Christian do? Oh, I want to cut off and join Russia. Another says, oh, I want to remain in Ukraine. How will the church remain together when everybody is giving their political belief? I want to be with Russia. I want to stay with Ukraine. I want to go with Biafra. I want to go with Nigeria. I want to stay with Catalonia. I want to be with Spain. I want to be a Republican. I want to be a Democrat. You divide God's church with such things. Leave political questions alone and let us face the work the Lord has given to us in proclaiming the three angels' messages. And as you do this, may the Lord bless you. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you will help us, that we will not have superficial beauty, that coupled with the outward mien and conduct in the way of God, and whether we look good or not, that the better beauty we will have is in our character. Help us, Lord, to represent you not in strife and competition but as children of god wearing the badge of christ speaking about christ to people help us lord to bury political questions some of us are deeply ingrained in it it's in our blood i pray O oh lord that you help us 
to be devoid of this superficial beauty of Absalom and to have that beauty of Christ. Thank you Lord for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering.